Cruise Culture Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the seminal 2006 dystopian political action film V for Vendetta, directed by James McTeague, a screenplay by the Wachowskis based on the 1988 DC Vertigo Comics limited series that was written by Alan Moore and illustrated by David Lloyd. The film is set in a future where a fascist totalitarian regimen has subjugated the UK. It centers on a character named V, played by Hugo Weaving, who's an anarchist who's attempting to ignite a revolution through terrorism. And he has help from Evie Hammond, who's played by Natalie Portman, a young woman caught up in V's mission. Stephen Ray plays the detective leading a desperate quest to stop V. Today, I have a very, very, very special guest, my good buddy, Zen. Hello. I met Zen in the wonderful world of uh, Xbox, and uh, Zen is also a fan of the movie, so I thought I'd bring him on the show. Mr. Zen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about... Uh, V for Vendetta. It was funny how I brought it up and it just lit you up. And I was like, oh, this is definitely the right person to come exactly. on the show. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it's so great today is that we get to actually talk about one of those classic films from uh, my childhood, so to speak. And uh, what uh, really just, it just excited me about these kind of films, you know, the interesting intellectual thought of all these things, just orchestrating some big bang that was V for Vendetta. Right on. When did you um, when did you first see V for Vendetta? What did you remember from it from that there time? Was some, there were some really good times. I remember going into one of those uh, walk-in malls, the big ones, and uh, it was just down in Florida, uh, somewhere near Sebring. Um, I had to be about close to 14 16 i know it's an r-rated film but i got in with my grandma to take me or no my mom took me yeah and uh when i went in and got to see the film i just remember leaving it all about it it was just um it was just very overtaking um also i remember just that, that feeling at the end after seeing it for the first time and had all these questions like it was really one of those feel-good films also, uh, not really a part of the film itself, but I remember when I went to uh, FYE for the first time with my grandma, and I wanted that poster, and she had to call my mom and get it approved because she thought it was too violent. So that that was interesting. That's awesome. Um, I read the graphic novel probably in the early nineties when I was in high school and I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, I had read Watchmen, which Alan Moore had written and I liked that one a little bit more. Um, but when the movie came out, uh, I, as soon as I saw the images, I was like, Oh wow, that looks really cool. And the trailer mm -hmm. definitely got me excited. And I went, you know, I had been, a Natalie Portman and Hugo Weaving fan. I thought they were both great. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to go see this. And uh, I went and saw it at the theater. I don't remember if my wife went with me or not, or if it was just me and my brother-in-law. I don't know. I, I went on opening, the opening weekend and saw it, and, and I loved it. And uh, as soon as it came out on DVD, I bought it. Now I have the Blu-ray of it. And uh, I just really liked 
the message that the movie had and um, just really cool, interesting characters and just showing that there can be a way to change things if you are um, crafty enough. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the message of it. It was just really inspiring, like to see this like tale of like complete control, not able to you know have your own thoughts, your individual kind of way, and just that kind of repression to see that you know out of everyone who was like thinking it was just no way against this this totalitarian high-tech government that was always watching and listening there's just this one random guy just like you know what i'm gonna take care of this one way or the other and it was just like man like all eyes on him just going out like just just even his words just kind of like won you over and i thought it was just an excellent film when i got to see it that yes like at the once it like dropped on DVD, I had to get one of those and just have it to my collection. So it was really cool to be able to see that. But I never got to really share that too much in like high school and talk to people about it. So it was just kind of like one of those things, like oh, that was a part of me back then. If that makes any sense? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's start. Let's start getting into the story of the film a little bit. Um, like the film originally came out in 2006. I guess it was originally supposed to come out on Guy Fox Day 2005, but they delayed mm-hmm. it. If you don't know that day, it's in the movie. It's the 5th of November. Um, there's a lot of fives and V's references in the movie, but um, in the near future, Britain is ruled by the Norse Fire Political Party, a fascist and authoritarian authoritarian regime led by the high chancellor adam settler which controls the populace through propaganda and imprisons or executes those deemed undesirable including immigrants homosexuals and people of alternative religions and um yeah that's that's pretty scary seeing that in the movie and like i don't ever want to live in a place that's like right um it's it's kind of creepy too it's yeah Um, yeah i i would say it's really creepy it's it's just it's it's hard to kind of like have that unity i can kind of see where like a government would like want that but it just seems like you know like at what cost are you getting that unity from because like you're stealing fear and causing all these kind of like uh atrocities and at the end of the day no one goes home feeling good about that there's like they're sacrificing that good for this control and uh, no one wants that anymore. They're like, we don't need this. It's not that terrifying out there. Yeah. So then we're introduced to a character named Evie Hammond, who's played by Natalie Portman. She's the daughter of parents who became activists after her brother perished in the St. Mary's school terrorist attack, which happened 14 years earlier. Now in the movie, the time is 2020, which I find interesting. And we'll get to why I find that interesting later. Mm -hmm. Uh, in this episode, <laughs> um, they were detained when she was 12 years old and later died in prison. One evening, a masked vigilante wearing a Guy Fox mask rescues her from an assault by the secret police as, and has her witness his destruction of the old Bailey via uh, explosions. Mm. The following morning on the 5th of November, V hijacks the state-run television network to address the nation, claiming credit for the attack and encouraging the populace to resist 
the Norse Fire regime by joining him outside the House of Parliament on Guy Fawkes night the following year. Evie is knocked unconscious while aiding in V's escape from the television station, and he takes her with him to avoid her arrest and likely execution. Um, that's an interesting whole thing that happens. You know, she works at the TV station. He breaks in there. She sort of helps him. And then she gets knocked out and he has to decide, do I take her with me? Do I leave her here? If I leave her here, she's probably going to be arrested. So he takes her with him. Yeah. I guess it's like, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like you, you see it, like the, like what he's fighting for that change. And there's still like, even though he's willing to go to these great lengths, um, I think like, you know, Evie kind of reminds him what he's fighting for. And I think that kind of like shows like the, the spirit of the character behind the Fox mask. And, uh, it, it's just really great because it's just like, you know, um, everyone can see what's going on. And then, you know, this person, uh, is just being, you know, taken advantage of. And I, just how he comes in and swoops her to save the day, you know, this is that good, like heroic rope as well too, or trope, may I say. Yeah. And the state like runs like all their TV is propaganda, probably similar to what some other current communist nations have their TV. I'm not going to name any countries, but if you just think about it for a second, I've heard many a tale that that's how their TV is Mm -hmm. run. So they run like propaganda TV and V kills the, one of the propaganda TV noise mouthpieces lewis prothero who is he's a big piece of trash if you watch the movie (laughs) you just want to punch him in the face oh yeah um and the thing that starts here is you start to see this is kind of what like i loved about the movie isn't it makes it interesting is there's a mystery like where did v come from why is he after these people and then as you watch the movie that story sort of unravels through what v's doing what evie's experiencing and what the inspector starts to find. Um, so V goes on a spree. He kills Louis Prothero. He kills Dr. Delia Surridge, who is the coroner who was looking at Louis Prothero's body. Mm-hmm. And then with Evie's assistance, he kills the Bishop of London, Anthony Lilliman. And there's a connection between all of them that, that the inspector finds later. Um, Evie flees um, during the killing of Anthony Lilliman because she is still not sure she wants to do or she's ready mentally maybe to help V with that stuff. And she wants to go back to some sort of normalcy. Um, And she runs away and ends up staying with um, Gordon uh, Dietrich. But in the meantime, (laughs) uh, Chief Inspector Eric finch finds a surge's journal and we start to get some of the backstory about who v is and where he came from and he was involved in an experiment that kind of made him more than normal um yeah and that that was a biological weapon research for a virus that they were making and at the Lark Hill detention facility. And they ended up using this virus to attack their own country. That's a lot to unpack there because it kind of comes full circle 
when it comes to all these kind of things lining up with Evie Hammond first kind of questioning morality. Because of course she knows what she's yeah. doing. It's murder. Like she's like a like a like an assessment to murder and all these crimes that are happening, all these actions she's taken against her government means death. So she is facing that death right then, right now, and it's so terrifying to her because she knows it's wrong. But there's also a sense of like nothing will change if these things don't like happen. But she doesn't understand why. And as you said, it unravels nice and slow, like cooking a big potato in the oven, and everything just kind of just blends together in that little foil as it unwraps. And yeah, you get the sense of like who's he killing and why. And where are these characters mm-hmm. that are kind of like don't feel fit for the picture? That you know, it's just like why is this person here? He's just grotesque with his words and how he speaks about human life. And then you understand the backstory, and it's just you, you see where these things had a long time coming. And once they kind of unfold, it's just like you know, Evie realizes that this is her fate, and. Um, she accepts it, and she feels more of herself being this way, just like her parents, who also were writers and journalists. So, and they actually had a, a big uh, impact in this story too, where they were trying to fight the regime years before, uh, uh, mm-hmm. like Adam or the the Chancellor became Sadler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, she got to see her parents get put in those uh, black bags, and once you're put in there, you never come back. Mm-hmm. Right. So so the virus is created, the the political party uses it, and uh part of the experimentation that created the virus killed all the other political prisoners except V. It gave him it mutated him, but it gave him physical enhancements and um he destroys the Lark Hill facility during his escape. Uh, Peter Creedy, who's like the right hand man of Sattler, mm-hmm. head of the secret police. He fakes this terrorist attack that releases the virus at targets, including St. Mary's and two other places, resulting in public fear. And they did that so that they could also set up that their political party would create the cure with their pharmaceutical company that they all had money invested in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I don't know. That was just it's just wild that because it's just like. I, I more have now like this relation to a, an outbreak that happened in 2020 and then everyone promising that first year, I got the cure, we'll get you the, the vaccine. And it, to that story, it's just like like the people were living off the fear that this is going to spread and it's going to like hurt a lot of people. And this one person like, I am your savior, follow me. I feel like it was used to kind of like boost this person's political party mostly. And they knew mm, that they had yeah. the one cure and they all invested into it. It was just completely scum. And just, it's, it's just, but that's not even uh, half of it when you're talking about the murder they committed on their own people as well. So, oof, right. Double dish of bad cooking right there. <laughs> yeah, so it, and uh, this is when Evie takes shelter with uh, Gordon Dietrich, who shows her his collection of illegal materials. He has the painting of uh, God Save the Queen with Sattler, and she's like, Oh, my parents were at that rally. I thought this painting was gone. He's like, No, he's like, I paid more than this house to keep this painting. 
He's like, it makes me happy. That's such a great scene. Mm-hmm. And he has a, an antique Quran. And, and then Evie notices that there are pictures in his like little basement den yeah. parlor mm-hmm. of, you know, men with men in, in, in sexual scenes. And, uh, she, she's taken aback cause she's like, wait, I thought you were straight. And he's like, well, he's like, it, it wouldn't be very good for me to be on TV and be, you know, uh, gay. So he has to pretend that he's straight. Right. And that's one of the things that he has to live with in this crazy government. Yeah. That's this kind of like interesting that he even like at the point, like a, a point in Evie's like vulnerability, like she feels like she's like the lost in the end of the earth, everything that's just happened with the Bishop dying. And then he was able to, uh, I can't remember the, the host's name. Can you repeat his name again? Gordon Dietrich. Gordon Dietrich. Or yeah. which one? Prof, yeah. Prof, no, Prof no, Gordon the... Dietrich, yeah. I'm terrible uh-huh. with He's played by Stephen, Stephen Fry, who's normally a comedic actor. Yeah. Um, so this was, a, this was a cool drama role for him. And uh, Gordon Dietrich, it was able to, like, hey, I, I, you showed me your skeletons in my, your closet. I'll show you mine. And what a better way to show that, you know, that art lives through these people. This is what makes people. And this is like, you know, he's one of these best funny talk show host characters, but he has also this dark side behind it. And he's able to, you know, try to hide in society and still try to be something for the people. And, you know, he was willing to go out of the way to do that skit against the chancellor as well. I was just about to so say, yeah, the, the the best part is she's staying there with him and the he's the host of this talk show and they go up to a new episode and he tells Evie, he's like, yeah, we threw out the script that the censors wrote and we made up our own. Mm-hmm. And they did this skit where they uh, completely satirized uh, Sutler on the show and there's like Benny Hill music, anybody that's under the age of or uh, over the age of 40 probably knows what Benny Hill was. You may not Zen, but (laughs) it was a, it was a comedy show from the UK that was popular in the United States. That's that funny music that that comes from Benny Hill. That leads to Gordon Dietrich being arrested basically right as they're watching the end of the show, the secret police show up and they take, they take Dietrich in and they put him in one of those black bags and Evie almost has a parallel scene. She hides under his bed and watches him be caught just like she saw her mom get captured. And then she's captured too. And there's a great little subversion here in the movie. This is one of the coolest movie tricks slash twists in cinema. I feel like, um, I loved it. Some people did not like this yeah. twist. The massive spoilers. If you guys were spoiling the whole movie, we're breaking down the plot and we're having fun with it. So if you haven't seen the film, yes, stop I'm now because right. now it's going to really get spoilerific. Uh, <laughs> anyway, oh my! <laughs> this is the, so Evie gets caught too, and um, she's taken to a detention center and they shave her head. Yeah, and. She is thrown into a solitary prison and she, you know, she's in solitary and she's tortured 
and she's asked by a man who who's V? What do you know about the terrorist V? And she she says she doesn't know, and then she ends up finding these notes hidden in the cells. Yeah. Um, and this is a really cool scene. These notes are from a woman that was there talking about her experience, Valerie Page, and how you know she was persecuted uh, by the government you know, for being a lesbian and her life story, she tells in this journal that's written basically on toilet paper. <laughs> right. Which I'm surprised it uh, lasts because like you see like a little bit of the scene where like she's riding on it and then dunking it right into the toilet bowl. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. man, I want that number two pencil. If it's able to hold my life story on the shed of the TP, <laughs> like that, that's just, that's, I want to know where they get that brand. But the, the side, my my nonsense, the just the compelling just fact that like for V to go through all these lengths to make this whole kind of prison chamber for right. I was yeah. just I was just about to say did we haven't even got it? to this yet. So. Like, did he build a Zach reference? No, that I. Oh yeah, I don't because know because he's underground. I, he's in a railroad system underground now. If he. That. Right, like, like that. It, it, that had to be some serious mental issues. Like, I need to go back there to be able to complete this this uh, anarchy and take on the government. I need to have this re replicated. Or did he like in that year replicate that it, for Evie? <laughs> it could have just been a bathroom in the train station that he modified. Because I mean, yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, as as you pointed out, it ends up that V was the one torturing her the whole yeah. time, and finally she says he asks her one more time. She doesn't know it's him yet. She, he asks her one more time in in the secret police getup. He's like, "Tell us who the terrorist is, or you will die." And she's like, "I would rather die." And he's like, "Then you have conquered yourself and your fear." And she's like freaked out, and then initially she is upset, like extremely upset mm-hmm. like angry furious sad delirious all of that and i think any normal rational person probably would be but he tells her he's like no think about that moment just now what happened to your fear and her fear was gone and that's when she realizes what he had done probably could have been done better yeah. but i think for the <laughs> brevity of the film and what he was trying to do he understands that at this point he is not the person that's going to live through this next regime. He's the person that's going to transfer the the freedom to the next generation. And there's a really cool scene, I thought, right here. She's like, I need air, I need air. And they go upstairs mm-hmm. like to a roof, and it's raining, and it's almost like some... Sim- Symbologically, like a baptism, yeah. Because she's getting bathed in in the water, and that's when you see her change. And she's she's definitely embraced this new, stronger person she's become. It's very um, like, spiritually like healing, and just just yeah, yeah. To be able to you know come out to the air for the first time, you're getting that clean, fresh breath of air. Uh, the rain's pouring down on you, and it's not to like hurt you or like you know with like the the methods of torture and like, she's just having this realization that, Hey, I'm still alive. I still have me. And that's, what's important. You know, like all of this has been shed. Like she thought she was going to be losing everything. And to, to be fair to the audience that, you know, begs to differ. And I, I of course understand that torture is no way to go about 
dealing with people and changing people. Because that is really an extreme situation that it, it could just backfire or completely just, you know, change a person for the wrong. But how it all really intricated and came together that she went through all these things and was able to just stand her ground for what her beliefs was. And then that note, I wanted to touch on that note. That note touched my heart as well. Reading how this person was just always objectified in the note. And this is like a long piece of TP, mind you. And she wrote everything, <laughs> her life story on it. And it was just great that Evie was able to find it, which was, you know, like like how she was like, since like, yeah, there it is. And then able to use the light to read it. Reading through that note, just to see like this person had this secret this entire life that she was a lesbian. And she couldn't come out to anybody. She couldn't uh, um, uh, be with the people she wanted to be with. And then the moving music along with that, just compelling that all of that was worth it to be myself, be who I am today and standing my own ground. And just hearing that, you know, the, the little subtleties as like when she loses someone she loves in her life, the, the person in the note, and that she's like, I. If you were reading this, I want you to know that I love you. I, I wish I could hold you. And then, like, it just builds up this just real sense of, like, you know, hey, I know it's all going to be bad, but I'm with you with this. And if you're standing for what you believe in, then, you know, die with that, with pride and honor. And, like, for me, for a person who understands discipline and, like, you know, these kind of things are extreme, that to me felt like, you know, that was just, like, mind-changing for a person's character development and then back to where she comes out for air and then like you know seeing it all like play out it was just very like like philosophical like you know like like enlightenment and just to see it on screen be told right there through that like scene of the rain like i was like man that's it i didn't understand what it was i didn't know what a name i wanted to put to it but that like struck in my heart i could feel that kind of like change and and I was like that's that's storytelling for me right there for yeah it was really well done all right and this sounds like the perfect spot for us to take a break everybody please stay tuned we're going to do a station break from retro futures culture <laughs> stay tuned and check out other shows coming up on ruminations radio network <laughs> you've been listening to another fine fine podcast on the rumination radio network this is game agent et from oh god it hurts And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcasts here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the RFC. We're breaking down V for Vendetta, the 2006 film. I got my buddy Zen here. We just got over the amazing scene where Evie has her baptism from V. And now we're going to get into the second half of the film because that really is like the mm. a you know that's the point where the film makes a big turnaround evie realizes that v has been avenging the other victims valerie the woman in the note that she read um by going after the people that ran the lark hill facility and she promises to see him before the 5th of november to kill the otherwise unreachable high chancellor v sneaks in to Creedy's place and convinces Creedy that he has to help him kill Settler and replace him in exchange for V's surrender. Because Creedy doesn't really like Settler that much either. Settler kind of 
Settler talks down to everybody. And I think eventually when you are a rude jerk to everybody, somebody's going to get tired of your shit, right? (laughs) No one likes a pyramid scam. And Settler was sitting right on top of there thinking he was going to castle. Mm -hmm. And uh, even in the beginning of the film, you know, he's getting trains of butter sent to his secret underground bunker. Like, who, who can DoorDash... A train cart of butter to your underground base like that. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where he was allowed to have all these things that were banned or not available to the public, you know. (laughs) But he could have them, and that's a lot of a lot of um, totalitarian governments uh, are like that. A lot of them. It's kind of bullshit. It is bullshit, and also it's a contradiction to the belief of its system, and it, it just. It's it's not it's not real, and I think that even like you know as V starts to do things and make things more clear, you, you see everyone's just kind of living with a blindfold over their eyes, and uh, the fireworks and explosions kind of lights people's eyes up to the truth that you know this this isn't you know um, right. They don't want this government, and it all comes back to settler. This just one kingpin who thinks he's ruled them all, but oh. Hoo, hoo, yeah, uh, this one fellow is just gonna bring him down, eh? Yeah. Um, where are we at? Oh, yeah. So it's the following year, and Sattler is annoyed because they still haven't been able to catch V. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps blaming the inspector, but he's also not letting the inspector chase any of the leads that the inspector found from that book, like because Sattler doesn't want people to know what he did he knows what he did yeah to make that government happen and he can't have people finding that out so you know he tells the inspector you would you'd be wise to just search for v and not look at that stuff but that's v is a result of what they did right um v has he's so smart v has hundreds of guy fox masks like fedex to like the entire nation like everybody gets one at their house and so everybody starts wearing them because now they believe more in this idea of a free country than this idea of being under this sattler ridden totalitarian nightmare right I'm just surprised he was able to ship out that many masks. I mean, he did have a year, and when you're down in the basement and have nothing to do, I guess that seems, like, plausible. But it did send the message that, you know, everybody wearing those masks were tired of it, and then when everyone got one, people did come together and stand together. Yeah, and and some of it was good and some of it was bad. It started to cause chaos. There's a guy who, like, robs a convenience store (laughs) wearing it. I thought that uh, um, I thought that scene was he says anarchy in the UK. I was automatically thinking that song uh, from Tony Hawk Pro from Skater. the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. like, oh, <laughs> this is it. This is what they've always wanted. <laughs> right. Um. There's riots, and then there's a young masked girl who's wearing a V mask, mm-hmm. and she is killed by one of the secret police, and that starts a big scene because the guy kills the girl and takes the mask off, and there's a bunch of witnesses, and they basically beat the secret police guy to death with, like, shovels and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's, that starts the anarchy. Um, and... Uh, you know, the 
Sattler and his group, they're like, what is he going to attack us with? Is he going to use something airborne? And the inspector's the first one to say he's probably going to use the underground. And they're like, what? We, you know, we shut it down. Yeah. Why would we, why would he use that? We shut the underground down. Um, v reveals to Evie that he rebuilt the parts of the underground over the past 10 years. Right. Like V's been working on this plan for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just kind of like just a couple of blindsides by the, uh, chancellor settler himself because it goes back to even the investigation why wouldn't uh he already give the information to the detective to get this sped along instead he even hindered his own like you know counsel from being able to catch him and it's basically his own demise in a way and then like at the end too like you know where he's not even listening to the people on his council he thinks he's above them as well hiding behind all of this uh, it, it's just like you know yeah why haven't you checked the train tracks see what's underneath like you know if everything else is covered then why don't you check out you know like your back door kind of deal well underneath anyway yeah and that's again that's another one of those things that time and time again in these kind of governments um they do this. They almost sabotage themselves because they're so, they think they're above it all so much that they can't get caught or busted. Mm -hmm. And eventually somebody figures it out. Um, Evie shows up to V's place on the night of the fifth and they share a dance on V's super cool jukebox that has all the band music on it. (laughs) And uh, V takes her to the London underground where he's restored the train. It's full of explosives. And he tells her, he's like, originally I was going to do this, but this isn't for me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be here for the next, for when this happens. Because V has, he has his own vendetta. He's and uh, he tells Evie, this is for you and the next generation and tells her it's her job to to push the switch. that's going to drive the train to parliament and blow up all these explosives. Um, and V goes, goes to uh, meet with Creedy who um, brings V Sattler. And this is a cool scene. Cause he brings V Sattler and Sattler's like, what the hell? Why, what's going on? And then <laughs> V's like, okay, we'll do it. And, and, uh, Creedy shoots Sattler right there. Yeah. And oh. Creedy's supposed to take V in and uh they exchange a few words and uh he demands that V unmask and V says, I'm not gonna do that. And uh then um Creedy Creedy orders his men to fire on V and he says, Well, you better use all those bullets because once you run out, I'm gonna kill you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they all fire on him and they hit him a lot, but he, they don't explain what that chemical bat did to him, but it obviously gave him some sort of like super strength, faster than normal reflexes, you know, the ability to withstand a lot of pain. Right. He may not even feel pain at all. He, I mean, he was burned over his entire body body yeah he's completely burned yeah like everything is burned yeah um so creedy's men you know empty their guns and then basically v you can't see him smile but he tilts his head so you know he smiles he takes his daggers and goes to town dispensing these guys um we do find out though that afterwards you know he pulls out like he was wearing one of his uh ornate 
armor pieces from his collection, mm-hmm. uh, like a chess piece, and it's full of bullets, and he takes that off. But he got shot in some other places, and he's bleeding pretty, pretty bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I really love this scene, and uh, just uh, you're going over, like, um, they didn't really describe why he was able to have the strength, but he tried to be more of, like, a journalist and kind of try to, like, do a truth and a lie, or a lie and a truth kind of deal. And he says that you once you shoot at me, you can't really kill an idea. Like he was like trying yes. to emphasize that this is this is not just me. This is like the vendetta. This is what I've set out for my life to be. Like this has to be right. And uh, just that whole scene where he was just telling them, like orchestrating this whole kind of ballet of death right before him, I thought was an excellent scene. That sh- like it kind of resembles like John Wick after you know all those kind of things because it looked so badass that even though they had bullets, he was able to like do like the throwing knives and and then it was yeah whoa. Well, since you mentioned it, um, one of the cooler things that I didn't realize actually until very recently is that the two guys that created and directed and wrote John Wick, Chad Stahelski and David Leitch, were the stuntmen for V in most of the fight scenes. So that's interesting. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of that comes from them. So it was really cool. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now that, you know, especially as you pointed out, why mm-hmm. John Wick, you know, was so impressive when it came was out. Was it like, so, so were they inspired to make John Wick or was John Wick a thing already? No, they they created John Wick. Okay. Chad and Chad and David later. I mean, this was this was what V for Vendetta was made in 2004, 2005, or at least 2006. John Wick didn't come out until after 2011. So that's or so cool that even in that in this time of, you know, V for Vendetta, it was able to inspire other films later on, which is why the scene itself us describing it doesn't know justice if you haven't seen it. So, but probably people have passed the yeah, the way they yeah, and the way they the way they shot the scene, from what I understand, is they had um v moving at normal speed, and they had the um Creedy's guys move a little slower, and then they cranked it even slower so that when you see it in action, that's what gives it that syncopated look that makes it look really cool, like mm-hmm. he's almost like moving faster than they can, oh, yeah. Like, like, and that's why I think that one of his powers is that he has faster reaction time. Yeah, than normal that makes more sense do. now that the chemical bath that he was indoctrinated with by these people who, uh, um, if, if like going back, like we were rushing over a little bit, like he was in that facility and they were testing with his vaccine, and he actually got like you know like. Like Spider Man, get like tapped with the venom and then completely change right. his own entire identity, um, and which could make sense too. Like you know, like the Daredevil kind of deal. Maybe he's impacted in there because like his eyes burning out. I just wanted to touch up mm-hmm. on back on that, but yeah, that scene, no for sure for that scene in that time, like you know, two thousand and six. Like it's just interesting to see how like uh, in media that we're able to like slow down time and do those cool moves that we always thought were badass, but we can't do in real life. They were able to like orchestrate that into the movie. And it was just like, Oh man, it's 
just a very excellent scene. Like it was just one of those pow explosions in your head, kind of like watching it all unfold. And then when he has the just the the gorilla strength to like lift up the second hand man and be like, you can't kill an idea. And he like just chokes him out with one hand. Oh yeah, he just after yeah, all he the uses two, you, he uses two hands on his two hands? arteries. Yeah, oh, I thought it was yeah, one he's hand. got him by two hands. Oh, okay. My yeah, bad. I messed up yeah. on that one. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. I, um, so then V returns to Evie and dying in her arms and basically tells her that he fell in love with her. He wasn't sure he was ever going to fall in love with anybody ever again right. because of all the pain he went through. But he tells her, I fell in love with you. And she puts his body on the train and covers it with the flowers. Mm-hmm. And that's when Inspector Finch finds her. And... Um, at first he tells her to stop and she says, I'm not going to stop. This is how we're going to change the world. And then, uh, Finch agrees. <laughs> He's like, let's do it. And, and I swear to God, I swear to God, it's almost like they, they push the button and it's almost like, you want to go get a drink? Like, <laughs> it's just so casual at that point. Like they've been through this entire horror show. Like, um, you know, business has been tough and it's like 12 o'clock at night. You know, the detective's been working so long, and he just sees it all there, and it's all said and done. He's like, you know what? You, you want to go get a beer? <laughs> he just, just right. drops the ball there. But I, you get it, though, because, like, yeah, all these things were stacked up against the detective. And if you didn't catch in the movie, um, the detective actually had people die, uh, and he's also, his family was Irish, and they were some kind yeah. of, like... Uh, and since he was in the UK, he was considered immigrant, quote unquote. So he had he was persecuted already under all of uh, this kind of tyranny, and then being uh, subjected to denial of the truth from his government, and then talked down to from uh, uh, Chancellor Settler. It, it, it's this guy's like, you know what? It, 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 like he sees it all coming together, like those dominoes falling down, and he's just like, you know what? That was a great symbolic scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scene where V builds that little domino uh, symbol. Yeah. But it's so yeah, cool that though, because a... that one domino piece, like it's standing there, like he had that one piece. It's kind of symbolized Evie. Like this is your choice, or it's not. Yeah, and he he put it on the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was really cool, and I think that like I, I I know it might not be like the coolest thing in the world, but to see all those dominoes fall over and it created V back then, like the props to the guy who ever set that up. That was awesome. Like just to get right. To I'm sure they they probably hired some of those crazy professional domino <laughs> people because we had who, who else could do <laughs> that'd be funny to see in the budget professional dominoes dude i'm sure it was there there was probably line item professional domino master yeah, i gotta check the credits like like is there a professional right? dominoes layer because that v wasn't made by v we <laughs> And then there's the coolest scene is so the um the train goes, it blows up parliament, the military forces just let the citizens through that are all dressed up like V. They're all wearing Guy Fox masks and black cloaks and black hats, and they witness its destruction, and then they all start taking off their mask and Finch is with Evie and he asks her who who was V and she says he was he was all of us. He was my father, my brother. That was so cool. You know. Yeah, I, I love that scene because also in the crowds you could see the faces of the people who passed. 
like uh yeah the some of the masks that come off are the people that were killed yes. by the secret police exactly. yeah that was such a cool like it's just visually a really well-made interesting movie mm-hmm. um it's a lot of fun to watch it has a great story cool mystery awesome fight scenes the acting i thought it was all really good yes. and like watching it now so the movie came out in 2006 it's the year 2023 and i'm watching it now and i'm going man we are getting closer and closer to that kind of a world and it scares the fuck out of it me. does it scared me in 2020 when i watched it and uh, yeah no i i didn't even think that's what i mean i didn't even think about it at that time and watching it <laughs> the other day i was like wow i was like that's kind of weird uh this whole virus thing created by these guys to take over and then they have the cure. Hmm. Yeah. And he was, a, was but the, the thing too was like, you know what, it, at the end of the day, like the film also come for me is that there was people out there. Like you're not alone. Like there's other people out there. And, you know, even though you might be like oppressed or under some kind of corruption or tyranny, there's one guy out there who's going to be like with you. And it could even be you who knows who's under that yep. Fox mask that is able to stand up and, uh, you know, uh, signifying that hey this ain't okay check your government and make sure that they're doing the right thing and if they're not it the truth will tell itself because honestly like those dominoes one by one their their chances to try to control all of this orchestrated their own demise as you said that the breadcrumbs to their their past and them um subjecting uh, all these people to torturous events it all came back and backfired on them because some, one person pushed like, hey, what is the truth? Where is the lie? And it was just, as you said, very well wrapped and received. Like for what? Back then it was like 10 bucks, 7 bucks to rent a movie ticket. I was well enthused over the movie. And yes, I, I definitely uh, felt the explosions in combat was just very, very supreme. Yeah, and I think it it holds up well. I think it's it's going to be somewhat timeless mm-hmm. because because it's not taking place in the real world. It's in a fictionalized version of the real world, exactly. and the characters are larger than life. But rooted in reality, I feel like it's a movie that will entertain for many years to come, and it has a, a great message, like V talked about about you can kill a man, but you can't kill you know An a symbol. Idea. An idea, yes. yep. And I think that's because IDs don't have like a, a life to it. It's, it's uh, in the mind, and um, that can just go endlessly. And you're right, like, and I, I, I want to admit again, like, to the torture scene. I don't think it, it would work in like a real setting, but how it was played out, how it orchestrated to become Evie, like that discipline that you know, like you know, going through these hard things made the person more free and she was able to come out as a new person like being reborn as a character from the past you who was too scared to stand up for herself to be yourself now that isn't afraid to face their own death i think that was like an excellent kind of like 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 i guess symbology or symbolic uh to me growing up because it's just like you have the power to be yourself kind of deal I thought that was just really cool, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, man. That's awesome. It was awesome. All right, Mr. Sin. All right. This has been fantastic. We need to do this again. Of course. Uh, 
<laughs> we'll talk about another. We already kind of off off air talked about another movie <laughs> that we may we may bring up. Um, so well, yeah, I definitely would love to have you on again. Um, the original comic was written by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. There's a couple differences. Um, v is a little bit more of a crazy killer in the book in the graphic novel. It's not so much fascism, but neoconservative and liberalism themes. Um, Mm. some of the characters are a little bit different, like, um, but overall I felt like the adaptation was done really well. Mm. Um, it's interesting that I think Alan Moore had some bad experiences with Hollywood before this film. Mm -hmm. And so he demanded his name was taken off and all of the money that came from the movie went to the co-creator, David Lloyd, who's the artist. So it's just interesting that Alan Moore didn't want to have anything to do with it, but props to David Lloyd, David Lloyd, if you have the Blu-ray is on one of the behind the scenes talking about how they made the graphic novel. So it's cool to see that and, and how involved he was. Yeah. I was reading through the, pat, uh, the notes she sent me and uh, it said in the link that Alan Moore had a hand in creating the league of extraordinary gentlemen. I thought that yeah, was but he the the film yeah he did the comics the film of that I know was was quite different from the comic oh, okay. books I haven't read the comics or seen the movie um, of that maybe that we'll save that for another time and you were all right Mister Zen okay. we're gonna we're gonna wind this sucker down okay sounds good um thanks for coming on oh yeah pleasure you've been listening. To- to the Retro Futurist Culture, a production of Ruminations Radio Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We'd love to connect with you on our social media. You can find me on Twitter or slash X at Futurist Retro. I may have to get something else because it seems like that platform is dying. Uh, visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com for additional great shows such as Ruminations of Red Rum, Oh God, It Hurts, Cinephile Hissy Fit, Brevity Box, and more. Support the Ruminations Radio Network at our Patreon. That's at patreon.com backslash ruminations radio for all your burning questions and passionate feedback. Drop us a line at ruminationsradio at gmail.com. Mr. Zen work. If, if you wanted to have somebody connect with you on social media, do you got a social media connection? Uh, I don't have anything crazy, um, but I do have uh, the colossal monk at Instagram.com. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you said you would put the link in the bottom of the video. So, I think that's it. All right. Don't have any books or anything to sell other than that. All right, sir. Well, thanks for coming on, Zen. All right, right, everybody. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the RFC. Thank you, Zen. No problem. Take care. Until next time.